Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here continuing our Camp Questions series, and today we move on to the wide receivers, and we have a great guest for you, James Ogden. Uh, you know him as at NFL Ogden on Twitter. Is that correct? Yep, that's right. Good. Outstanding. Uh, uh, great writer, and we've had him as a guest, of course, on this show many times before. Really appreciate you coming on to do this with us, James. Thanks, Ken. No problem. Always a pleasure. All right. Well, let's talk about the wide receiver position for the Ravens and uh, and who they have right now, because obviously the room 
One thing is notice is it does not have a lot of veteran Ravens players. So it starts with uh, Bateman, Duvernay, Wallace, and Prochet as the returning guys who've had any significant playing time before. It does, doesn't it? It's a, it's a position that, you know, definitely looked at, just just looked less light with uh, with Holly, Marquise Hollywood Brown at the top of the top of the depth chart and obviously the trade during the draft um really changed that and and has left has left the position in an interesting uh, in an interesting state heading into the heading into training camp is it uh, in terms of uh, you know who they have right now are you in the in the camp of wanting to see what these younger guys have? Because Duvernay, Wallace, and Prochet have not really had significant playing time to date. Not as Prochet a little bit, but but the others uh, really haven't been used too much as receivers. Are you in the camp of of wanting to see what they have to offer, or are you in the veteran receiver camp, or both? I think I'm in the. Uh, <laughs> it's. I feel like we'll we'll obviously get into the guys individually, mm-hmm. but I think I'm in the camp of add a veteran, um, either either now or perhaps a little hybrid where you see how they play and maybe add a veteran at the trade deadline. Um, if there's one available, or maybe you bring in, you know, somebody who's re- who's going to be available mid season, like Odell or something like that. So you, okay. you, maybe if you look at, maybe there's a halfway house option there, but I, I think it's a bit, I think it's a bit light currently. And I think you, you're maybe going in relying. We always have to bring in Mark Andrews into these conversations, but uh, which obviously we won't do in depth because we're not doing tight ends, but it's worth noting it in that, in that perspective. I just think, I think I would, I think I would feel more comfortable with a vet in the room, um, given given how, given that there is still so, as much as that we'll get into him. But as much as I'm a big fan of Bateman, there's still you know there are still some question marks over Rashad Bateman being the number one guy. Right. We we've we have that, and one thing we haven't talked about yet is depth. I mean, wide receiver is a position where injuries occur, and uh, you know it's something where. Uh, you really need to be in top shape. You can't have a hammy, which seems to happen a lot, and you can't have some of the other foot problems that come up. Uh, and when they do, that that player's out. I mean, you, you, you'd be doing yourself a disservice to put them on the field. So the question comes up as, as to, is the Ravens' depth even really sufficient, even considering that likely and Andrews and other people at tight end might be flexed a lot? Do they have enough bodies to fill up even a, 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 you know, a good 12 personnel uh formation most of the time yeah all right well let's let's get in and 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 talk about some of the things i, I want to get back to your vet receiver point though for for a moment here uh, vet receiver options are obviously fairly light this year and part of that is the enormous dollar value that's been plunked into wide receivers everybody's buying what pff is saying and saying you have to have wide receivers and the only players you should ever draft are wide receivers cornerbacks and quarterbacks because if they don't affect the passing game you don't really need them uh, anyway, I'm simplifying slightly what they say, but it's it's a it's a you know a common head shaking that they do when teams draft anything but one of these uh, key offensive positions or, or defenders that that cover them. Uh, the, the, the talk about you know not really understanding the game and how passing dominates. Of course, the Ravens have chosen to to run their offense differently, and you know they've done it with a with a, a tight end centric offense. Do you think, based on where we are right now, is there any way this doesn't end up being the same sort of tight end centric offense? I'd be very surprised. It just seems like the personnel decisions they've made 
have have pointed towards that you know pivoting in the draft from you know we saw that great reporting from from uh, Pierre King that it looked like they pivoted in the draft when Calvin Austin got taken by the Steelers they didn't look to another receiver which I, I kind of agreed with at the time I'm not sure there was another receiver on the board worthy at that point but they pivoted straight to a to a move tight end with likely so it does feel like that is the way that they're they're comfortable with they're comfortable with going uh I, I, you know that 2019 offense was was pretty special, uh, so it doesn't matter how you put points on the board, really. Um, but I, I do get the the arguments around that receiver core, and I also think the development of Lamar Jackson as a as a QB over the years. We've started to you know you, you, not surrounding him with a, a really great wide receiver core now does start to um, negate some of the, the the development that we've seen in his play over the years, um, and so you kind of. You kind of do want to see a really good receiver core so that we can see his um, that side of his game um, flourish to the to the to the maximum. But Greg Roman is the offensive coordinator. This this is going to be a, a tie, I think this is going to be a tight end heavy offense and a run heavy offense. Yeah, I, I I would certainly expect that as well. And and uh, you know you could also point to some of the decisions they maybe made along the offensive line as being ones that you know by taking a Linderbaum, they're committing to some run schemes, maybe some screen scheme as well that they have not had in the building lately. Uh, the Tyler Beatty selection seems to be a you know, receiving running back. That That's a take targets away from the wide receivers move as well. I still think Lamar is probably going to be throwing the ball away. And I think the, the, the starting four guys I really like. I want to see what they you know bring to the table. But, uh, but I'm, I, I think I would be with you that they're going to scrape the bin for for a, a veteran. I just don't know what's out there, and I think they might be better off waiting till the trade deadline to to find somebody who really meets their needs more, and another team really would would like to unload. Yeah, I think that kind of approach with a rental, you know, with a with a half season rental, probably will. You know, we've seen them go that route before under that route before under under Eric DeCosta. We've seen it happen, so I I wouldn't be surprised. And there are some good ones that are, that are entering the last year of their contract, and um, that you could potentially target. So you have to be a, a fourth year player, probably with the Ravens, and this is an important contract point. Is that I know there's other teams will be trying to trade an expensive wide receiver at midseason. You know, if the Browns suck, Amari Cooper or somebody, you know, somebody really high end might be available. The Ravens cannot make that happen, not with their cap space. So it's going to have to be a fourth year player um, who's who's at the end of his first contract and is a rental until his obvious free agency, and that's going to tend to cost in terms of draft capital because if the guy's good and he's he's a he's a potential uh, comp pick uh, contribution, then you know the, the trading team is going to want to see some return on that. Yeah, I think you're probably going to be paying us at least a second, um, possibly possibly more. You know, if you're going to go after a DK Metcalf, and you're also going to, it's going to have to be a guy who, if it's Metcalf and there is any chance of him re-upping in Seattle, then Seattle probably aren't going to aren't going to pull the trigger on the deal. It's got to be someone. Metcalf is a great situation for it actually because he probably is a guy where. You wonder whether he would let Seattle pull the pull the trigger on a deal, but they've still got the tag available as well. So it, it's it's a difficult one. It's a tough one to make work at the deadline, but it does feel like, like you say, with the I would agree with you with the options out there being a little bit light, sort of scraping the barrel. I, I kind of I kind of prefer the the wait wait and see approach probably. All right, Metcalf is a, is an interesting one that. Uh, um... 
Yeah, he would. He would. There would be a, a very heavy cost involved. That tag at wide receiver is worth less right now than it was before, because you know the way the tag is calculated is average of, of the top players, and and now those top players' salary went through the roof this off season. So, uh, you know, we'd be talking about a large number for to keep Metcalf under the tag. So, I, I think that may increase the chance Seattle's willing to trade him and and pick up draft capital. So it'll be interesting in, in terms of how that goes. They also obviously would say, hey. We're getting at least a third for him if if we let him go because he'll dominate free agency, you know, this off season. So uh, we're not letting you have for less than that. Of course, I don't know where Seattle is in terms of relative numbers of players they're losing and gaining in free agency coming up. Also, I didn't. I, I should have done, but I didn't. I didn't research his current cap hit. I imagine his current cap hit is is actually still reasonably large. Um, so that might be a that might be a stumbling block anyway for the Ravens to get the deal done. I'm going to look at it right now because that's obviously an interesting point. But I, he wasn't a first round pick, right? No, he was second, no. wasn't he? So, yeah, it's it's not bad. He does. He oh. I did have an escalator, yeah. so his cap number is four point three four million. That's, that's doable. Yeah. yeah, it's it's workable. And then, so a half a season, they'd be talking about a couple of million still due on that contract. So yeah, I think they could do it. Um, all right. Well, wonderful. Let's get back to the Ravens here now. And I, I just want to talk about the group in general. So we have Bateman, Duvernay, Tylen Wallace, and James Prochet coming back. We'll talk about each of those guys. And then on the, on the outside looking in, but somebody's going to get in, is Jalen Moore, Raleigh Webb, Devon Williams, Makai Polk, Benjamin Victor, who we, we know, of course, from last year, Slade Bolden, uh, Shamar Bridges, and Trayvon Clark. First of all, Incredible group of potential camp darlings, and we know that one or two or more of these guys will be camp darlings this year in terms of guys, oh, wow, can't keep him off the team. And they always do. <laughs> but, but, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about, let's start with the X receiver position where, where I think the starter is fairly obviously uh, Rashad Bateman, but uh, uh, talk about you. You mentioned you had some reservations with him. What are those? Yeah, I think. Um, well, first of all, money on money on Josh Oliver being kept as a fifth tight end over one of these guys mm-hmm. that might that could be uh, could send people into a bit of a, a maelstrom. Um, no, I think with Bateman. I, so I'm a big I'm a big Bateman uh, fan. I very much uh, you know I was very high on his game coming out of the coming out of the draft a year ago. Um, I think my reservations in terms of him are just you know. It, I saw plenty from him last year. Like I saw plenty that would that would tell me that I think he can be a number one wide receiver. Um, it's just a kind of, it's not, you know, we still haven't seen it. You know, there were times when he played very well against um, solid to good corners. There were times when he went missing um, in, in str- large stretches of games against better corners. Um, but that's part of the, the the learning of the position. I think it's, I think for me, it's just, you know, it's, it's a, it's a slight unknown. I, I am very much of the opinion that I do think he will develop into a number one receiver. I think we'll see a big leap this year. I think the production you saw from him last year was compa- in, in a, in a shortened season um, for him was very comparable to, to uh, very good rookie receivers over the last few years. Um, it's a shame he came out in the year that Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle came out and was hugely overshadowed by those guys. But I don't. I think he showed exactly what I expected him to show coming out of Minnesota. And we can talk about his, you know, the the bits of his game that I like. But I, I do think there's a there's a really good really good chance that he's gonna he's gonna convert into um to really good production this year. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm bullish on him as well. Like you, I will say that you know one of the things that really hurt him last year is he missed a number of games. Then when he first finally came into play, Lamar was with him, and he, and he looked pretty good initially with the exception of a couple passes that we'll talk about that I think are specific problems. But but then he, he got a lot of the uh, uh, games from the, the backup. And, you know, it's, it's Huntley, not only is he not as good and accurate a thrower as Lamar, but he also has a big pocket awareness issue, which forced Roman to scheme differently and scheme the ball out quickly. That included many more targets to Andrews, unfortunately included many more short targets down the stretch to Hollywood Brown. Um, and it really was, was a less Bateman friendly offense. Uh, you know, Bateman is a, where you get value from Bateman, in my opinion, is you get him to the top of the route, show his wiggle to a defender where he has a lot of route options and uh, he can do a lot of different things there uh, to, to throw that defensive back off. Sometimes he's an op- actual option route, but but I'm talking just where his route is set. He has a lot of different uh, moves he can make to throw that guy off. When he's running a slant, you're actually wasting some of what he brings to the table there. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think there's, you're right, that offense really did sort of was a, a less Bateman friendly offense. I think the things that he can do well, you know, he's he's very, he has some of the some of the, the sort of high level tools that you'd expect to see out of a number one receiver because he has the size you're looking for. Mm-hmm. He has the outstanding hands and body control. You mentioned the wiggle at the, at the top of his routes. Like his his work at the break point is exceptional. You know yep. he's 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 sudden, he's explosive, but it's the processing that he brings into the game as well. He's he's a real expert at manipulating DB's hips. If you watch him um, in releases where he's where he's releasing from the line of scrimmage, when he's going against a kind of a soft press, when it's not when he's not getting pressed with a jam, um, he's. You know, his single move is really special that he's able to close the space expertly. And then the single move, obviously, is just a one step and go. And he, he's lethal with that one step and go that mm-hmm. DBs are just not able to, to not able to um, to keep him in phase um, very effectively. Okay, lots of lots to unpack there, but but I love this stuff because this is great. This is we're, get, we're digging deep into it. W- one of the things I love is you're, you're you're exactly right about the one step and go. I have not yet figured out whether he's just an expert deking opposing cornerbacks as opposed to reading their leverage and taking the exact moment in time to know when to go the opposite way. The edge rushers who can do that, the corners who, who can read you know, wide receivers and can do that, particularly in the slot, incredibly valuable. Slot receivers who can do that end up being slower players who play at tremendous play speed. And I haven't yet figured out if Bateman is doing more than just showing them a move, getting them to make a mistake, and then working off what he had planned to do. So just kind of having a basic pass rush plan, if you want to call it, except you're you're receiving. Uh, I, that's the thing I really want to look for. And if I had two things that Bateman really had to work on in this offseason, I really hope he's done both of these. But one is really trying to understand and read the opposing leverage of the of the cornerback as opposed to just wiggling to make him miss by your own wiggliciousness. And, and, and yeah, the other one is his hands have got to improve. It was a big problem in college. Uh, we saw a problem in the in the first game where he uh, ball popped out of his own hands and was intercepted. Um, it, it, I, it, he needs to, to get good hand placement technique. And that's a, that's a receiving skill. And one of the things that we'll have to see is whether or not his work ethic is at the level necessary to take his own time, quote unquote, 
to uh, learn how to receive, go to receiving camps. You know, obviously working with Jackson and developing that connection is tremendous. But I also want to see him go to go to camps, understand from other NFL receivers who have a lot more experience with hand placement and, and, and do it right on exactly how he should be trying to catch the football. Yeah, I, I would I would agree to an extent. I think the the I think his strength at the moment lies in his body control with his catching. Like he he mm-hmm. when he's running sideways, you can see him you know get his body into position to make the catch. I think you're right about the the manual dexterity sort of hand issue. Um, I, I think he's got all of the the tools to be able to to do it, and I think that's that's you know I th- I think he can, but I think you're right to 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 point it out. I think the other thing um, that you mentioned. I think he's developing in the sense of kind of a, of, of, of reading the, D, the DP's leverage. I think it's, I think it's coming. Um, I don't think it's all the way there yet. I, I think the, the main place in which I'd like to see it develop more from my perspective is um, when it's with a jam. So w- when he's getting jammed at the line, you, you do, you do see him able to do what, what he does. Like he, he is able to, he has the potential there because you can see the play strength. You can see the timing with his hands. He does have it. It's just not consistent yet. Um, and I think that's one of the main things to see from him in, in the second year as well. Yeah. Very excited. It's a, it's a, in a lot of ways, it's a forced breakout year for Bateman. Uh, he's a, uh, a guy the offense has to rely on. So whether he likes it or not, he's going to get a lot of opportunity this year, uh, as long as he stays healthy anyway. And uh, I think you know he'll be integral in terms of how they layer this offensive passing game. Whether he's a you know a, a guy they want to run more on deep threats, whether he can you know use his body well in the middle of the field effectively, uh, whether he's exclusively an X or not. You know I I don't think that's set for sure yet. I mean they they have other guys and they may want to move him around if if they find he's helping them you know, various places. Just a small extra thing on him for, for next year, I think as well is um, I'd like to see his field vision improve in his, in his um, yards after the catch. I, I, I think he's, he's got all the tools you would want there. You know, he has the athletic ability, he has the play strength, like he has everything you want. I just think his vision at the moment is just it's a, a, rightly. So that should come like he needs to work on the other things first. Um, and hopefully that will come down the line, but that should be hopefully something we see as he goes, as he goes further. But like you, I'm, I'm really bullish on him this, this year. And I do think he has the ability to, even though it's a forced breakout, I think uh, he will, I think he, I think he will rise to the, to the task this year. It's really, really something that you, we get to talking about this, and we're talking about relatively minute details. I mean, how long has it been since the Ravens have had a guy who fooled people regularly at the top of the route? Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you have to go back. And, uh, the, the, just having that is special. You mentioned the body control. I mean, he's, he's not quite a tight end in that respect, but he's very good. He catches the ball away from his body, generally speaking. His, his general catch mechanics are not terrible or anything. It's just the, the hands have not been grade A as yet so far so we'll you know we'll see how that develops but we're, we're really and you're t- focusing about a, a yards after the catch component I mean it's great yeah. to be talking about these kind of things in a wide receiver instead of you know he just can't shake anybody he doesn't have any speed he doesn't do this you know anyway I totally agree it's uh it's wonderful to be there um anyway let's let's talk about that exposition in general so Bateman to, to my way of thinking is is the starter and I would expect him to play a fairly high percentage of the snaps even though he might be a player who could benefit still from rotation. Yeah, I think he will play a, a high percentage of the snaps. I think he'll be the guy out there uh, a lot of the time. I think you'll see sometimes when when they go into more heavy packages that Duvernay is the guy, uh, but that will probably 
um, tip their hand a little bit to what they're looking to do on that particular play. So I think there will be times when Duvernay is out there as as, as the, the main guy. But I think Bateman will see the majority of the snaps. There'll be times when they, you know, when they possibly work in uh, uh, full heavy sets uh, without wide receivers um, uh, throughout the throughout the season. But I'm sure he'll play a large percentage of the snaps. And, and X, I agree. I think he, he is the logical guy at the moment. I think you're right. There's still an open question about whether that is his best position going forward. But I think he's certainly going to be I think he's certainly going to play X this year for the Ravens um, almost exclusively. There's a, there's a lot of developmental value in having a guy who does that. And then there's a developmental caution that you have to go that if a guy can only do that, then it limits what he can do. Uh, you know, Bateman is a guy clearly who can do a lot of things at the top of the route. It'd be nice to have that in, in multiple positions across the field. But uh, Yeah, and, and also, you know, the Ravens have not been averse to, to moving Mark Andrews out into a traditional X position, and, and that would give you the versatility to keep Bateman on the field. Um, and, you know, so I, I think that there's plenty of options with him there. They do. They have also among their um, you know, second tier players, we'll call it, uh, they have a lot of size for the for potential X's. So, you know, uh, Webb and Victor, Polk, Shamar Bridges, Devon Clark, Trayvon Clark, sorry, uh, are all guys that are 6'2 and up. Ravens, by the way, if you look at their roster every camp, always have a lot of receivers who are 6'1, 6'2 and up. They almost never have small guys on their roster. Uh, they do have a couple this year. Slade Bolden comes to mind as being a, a you know a smaller guy who who probably makes sense in the slot. But uh, do you have a favorite among that group of other guys who'd be a good dark horse to become become the backup X? Yeah, Polk is probably my favorite among those guys. I think to become the the kind of backup X. He's he's a he was a, a possession receiver at Ole Miss. Um, so you know that is his that is his. Um, you know, is his bag. I don't, so he has good size. He, he does have, he does have, he has, he is quite refined technically. Um, and I do like his, his yards after the catch, but that there, there are some, there are lots of elements that he's, he's never going to be an outstanding athlete. The, the kind of explosiveness isn't quite there. So he's certainly, um, you know, a, you know, a down massive downgrade from, from Bateman currently Bateman's the thing with Bateman that I think, people is really underestimated with Bateman is his athletic ability. You know, that, that is really special um, for his size and, and the way he moves. So Polk would probably be my, my favorite out of those uh, for, for X specifically, because I think some of the other guys like Devin Williams, for instance, I think he's probably his best chance is probably as a big slot um, rather mm-hmm. than, as a, than as an X. So I think, I think Polk probably would be my favorite out of those. Do you have a favorite? Um, you know, what Benjamin Victor had done previously in the preseason and in, in, in the uh, camp, but mostly in the preseason games, uh, had been kind of exciting. And, you know, he, he's a, a guy I think that, that the Ravens may turn to again when that uh, when it comes to that. Polk, I know that uh, uh, my friend Jason of Huddle It Up Films really loves him. So uh, it's a you know, it's certainly a possibility that he, he could uh, he could be the guy They're They're going to go slow. You know, if they if they go uh, with either of these guys, neither of them is particularly fast. And, uh, uh, you know, Victor had been a guy, I think, who's shown uh, good hands, good jump ball ability. I don't know if that's really what the Ravens want. And, and it's certainly not ideal to have an X receiver that the other team is not worrying about having anybody but a corner on him. 
Uh, you know, everybody, even, you know, James, they put you out at, at, at X receiver and they're going to need to put a corner on you, even if it's the worst corner. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but uh, if, if uh, same thing with me even, but, uh, but I'm 59, so it's less likely to be playing in an NFL <laughs> game, I guess. We both but, have to be big athletic outliers, I think, if we were going to be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, uh, the, the idea is that you, you want to force that defense to either have to rotate or decoy or or you know, move a safety over there, or at least have the safety be aware if they if or, or shade towards you. If if your outside receiver is only taking one guy out of the out of the defense, that is not a good thing. No, absolutely not. And I think that's the that's the that is possibly the the kind of biggest area of depth weakness is you know having that gap. You know, if Bateman does go down, you know that that's a that is a challenge that they that they they're going to struggle to overcome. I think. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've certainly had that come up in past years. Uh, the year Kamar Aiken had a really big year. Uh, and they were, I think they traded for, who's the guy, Givens? Oh, yeah. They traded for from the Rams. Yeah. A little fast guy, but, but uh, you know, he's just, just a guy, frankly. Yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, that's good on the X. Let's move over and talk about the, the other side, the Z receiver now. Uh, who do you see is getting the first chance there? Tylen Wallace or somebody else? Yeah, it's interesting because they've got some guys who, you know, I think it's probably Tyler Wallace who gets the first go. I think I think with the let, let, we should talk about him first. I, I I think we should talk about the fact that I I wouldn't rule Prochet and Duvernay out of that role entirely, um, but I do think they're probably better better and better placed in the slot so i do think there's i do think it's probably tyler wallace to, to talk about in the first instance um with that with that position i think the thing with tyler wallace i think that the, the thing they will love is i mean the guy was a special team demon last year like as a gunner mm-hmm. he was absolutely phenomenal um and you can go back and watch and uh, um, jason um if people go and watch uh, uh look on the huddle Up films uh, youtube page he's got a tyler wallace um uh, highlight package from all 22 of the special teams. If people really want to watch special teams tape, which I don't know whether you would, but it, it, you can see him just, you know, it, it is great. He's he's a phenomenal um, special teamer. And that does count for a lot with the Ravens. So it would be interesting to see. I, I suspect they will give him the first shot. And there are a bunch of things that I do like about him. I did like him coming out in the draft. Um, and, it's it's whether he has got whether he's ever going to get back to the guy that you know two years in two three years into his Oklahoma State career was a guy who really could have been a you know a, a day two maybe even sneak into the first round type of pick and then he went through the ACL um, and it seemed to change him as a player so I, I wonder whether being another year removed from the ACL perhaps gets him allows him to get back to something of that form. Yeah, um, so much to say, so much to talk about there. Uh, you know, he he was a guy who uh, at Oklahoma State ran the right sideline a lot. If you look at at how his heat map of uh, of targets is, is very much uh, plastered to that right sideline. To be effective there, he's going to have to be able to have at least a couple of different route choices. First of all, he needs to, he needs to be able to stop and go effectively. Second of all, he needs to be able to run a good comeback route. That's like the basic Derek Mason 2, we'll call it. And then after that, it, whatever he can add on to that will be, I won't call it the icing on the cake, but they'll be kind of the decider in terms of incremental value um, that he can provide on that side. I, I, th- I think 
you know, a, a lot of things are right about uh, probably where on the field he likes to catch the ball being over there. So uh, I think I think it would be positive to to uh, to have that. There's probably some shoulder considerations, and when, when I talk about that, I'm meaning a lot of receivers like to catch the ball over one shoulder or not. I I, d- I do not actually recall from Tylen Wallace's college tape whether he was a turn uh, all the way around for the football guy. You know what I mean by that, or catch it naturally over the shoulder. But usually, when a guy turns all the way around, and Chris Carter was like that, he always talks about that when he talks receiving, is that you're losing something probably after the catch to do so. Yeah, he had a. He, um, from what I remember, the majority of his of his um, downfield grabs, there were a lot that would turn around and catch the football type mm-hmm. type grabs. He. He is very good, though, at the, the what you're talking about. The the kind of the company. He was very good in those first first few years um, on campus with the um, stop and go type routes, the comeback routes. Like that, that was very good. People were were threatened by him over the top, not because he is a he does have blazing speed, but because he doesn't. But he, you know, his he is a bit of a catch point extraordinaire. You can go and watch watch his highlight film from Oklahoma State. There's a there are a bunch of highlight catches. Um, so he does have great great body control and he'll go up and get the football um so people had to respect the downfield ability and so he was able to 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 be successful on those comeback routes so i do think he's got um i do think he's got a chance i think he's got a chance to be a good a, a really good player in the league um we'll just i, I just like i said i just it, it makes me nervous that having had a year you know, having had a, a slightly down year when he came back from the ACL, that he didn't break the rotation last year to any particular degree. Right. Um, like, wh- why was that the case? You know, he was showing out on special teams. He was doing everything the coaching staff would have asked, would have wanted, um, but still didn't really, really break out in that rotation, which was which was reasonably, you know, I, him beating out Sammy Wallace would be uh, Sammy Watkins would be a um, you know a, a potential indicator of 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 real future success for him in the league, and he didn't do that. So wipe the slate clean, and we'll see what happens this year. But I think that's interesting. Yeah, I, let's go back to the special teams thing for a minute. Among that, because one of the issues, and Chris Moore is the guy who immediately comes to mind as a comp in terms of a fantastic special teams player who did a little bit as a receiver. But one, there's there's a couple of problems with it. If if that guy is your is your starting Z, um, you probably want to take him off special teams, and you probably want to do it um, in particular if your team is as short as the Ravens are on wide receivers. So you know you're, you're it's it's just not an ideal situation. Maybe they have to put a linebacker out there as they did with Adelis Thomas or or somebody else. It is typically a wide receiver, so it might be one of the other guys like a Polk or somebody else who learns to play special teams and 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 could be the guy. But um, boy, having your, your 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 number two or number three wide receiver play on special teams is just a it's a it's not something I'm really keen on. Um, no, and, you on that? yeah, I, I think I agree. I think the the other thing is that you you know the I think that if there's if if it's twelve personnel, I, I think we're going to see as it stands Bateman and Duvernay on the field. Like I, I don't I don't think he breaks the I don't think he breaks in in that scenario. Um, and I think they're going to get creative about how they use Duvernay um, in terms of the, the kind of traditional positions that we've thought about with the wide receiver. I just think, I suppose if when you get into three wide receiver sets, 
I can see him. I can see him potentially cracking the rotation, but I wonder how often that's going to be the case and whether he's going to be rotating in with other guys as well. So it does feel like actually, I feel like his snap count will be reasonable, will be on, on the lower side, even if he does break the rotation. All right. Well, still like most teams and, and in part because you have to do it at the end of the half and you have to do it in your trailing games, the, the Ravens will play probably more 11 than anything else. Yeah. Uh, oh, course, as yeah, much yeah. as much as twelve and thirteen are the secret sauce for this team. There's there there is you're not able to do that whenever you want by down and distance and by game clock situation. Do you know how often the Ravens use twelve personnel in nineteen? Uh, I I I do not have that in front of me. <laughs> Sorry, I remember Jeff. seeing the thirteen. <laughs> no, it's okay. I remember seeing the thirteen personnel number though, and it was surprisingly low. Yeah, it was a single digit percentage, I believe. Like maybe might have been six, something like that. And you know, it was really it was it was juicy when they did it, but it but it was just something people think they did a lot. It's kind of like the base defense. You know, if if you're a great team, you don't play a lot of base defense. The 2019 Ravens, ten point six percent base defense. They played the race car dime, right? Uh, sorry, race car with six or seven defensive backs. Let me put it that way. So four outside linebackers, six or seven defensive backs, 13.2% of snaps, more than they played base defense. So, you know, if, if how great your offense is, how much they're rolling really depends, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll create that option. But it's a good question on 12 because in a year like 19, I would expect it to be higher than it, it would be in a normal offensive year where your team isn't enjoying big leads all the time. Yeah, but I, I think you're right as well that I think even even in I suspect I think I've seen the numbers. I think I suspect that even in that year there was still a uh, you know the majority percentage of the time was 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 eleven. So yeah, yeah, and, and that makes sense. I mean, and there's 21 to be considered too with the Ravens because they play a lot of that, of course, as as, as yeah. well. Well, let's move on to Duvernay since you brought him up in, in terms of what his role will be on this team. And, uh, you know, the creativity is one of the things that I really want to focus on with him because I did not feel like the Ravens did everything they could creatively last year with Devin, including putting him in the backfield was one of the things I was a big advocate for. There could have been reasons why not, but it would have been really nice to see what he could have created by going through that mesh point with Lamar being a threat to the outside, being a decoy to the outside, and what that might have brought uh, in, in terms of a, another wrinkle of the offense. Yeah, I was really surprised by that too because I, I felt like one of the big successes of the previous season was um, was the introduction of Dobbins for the inverted veer. We saw Lamar Jackson make some really big gains on those on those plays, and it was because of the threat of Dobbins to the outside from in the backfield. And so I really did expect to see them use Duvernay a bit in that role to 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 maybe open that up a bit. Uh, maybe there were circumstances that that left that left that on the table but it did it did to me i, I would agree with you yeah that you're you're hitting on exactly it's true it's true with dobbins uh, you know the whole transition to sidecar out of pistol in 21 uh was a lot driven by what dobbins brought in terms of an outside threat and when the ravens went to these elder statesmen running backs who really had nothing left in terms of speed to the outside they, they lost that threat entirely and duvernay can give you one side as a motion threat uh, you know, you can run counter and then you can have Lamar run up the middle and you can run away from your counter, uh, so to speak. But but you, you are really limited in the ways you threaten the field horizontally when you don't have a good sidecar speed back who can get to the outside. And that's why I really like the idea of Duvernay in that role. There are other guys who could motion, who could do jet motion. Hollywood Brown, for example, 
great jet motion, uh, you know, threat coming across in front of the quarterback before the before the snap. But uh, uh, you know, they 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 didn't have that last year, and and the offense really suffered because of it, and then it suffered more uh, once once Lamar went down, of course. And 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 one of the things I th- I felt from Duvernay, I saw a real improvement from Duvernay last year was his kind of vision, his field vision, the way he sets up his blockers. That was much better. He was able to. Um, really take advantage of his speed a lot more because of how he was setting up his blockers to the outside. Um, it, I felt like there was a, a concerted jump from him in that area last last year that really did help on some of those on some of those um, jet motions. So it was definitely something I want to see more. I, I would expect they'll do more this year with him anyway um, because. Uh, out of necessity really um in terms of within the receiving core uh but i i'm still i still just i still don't believe that he has enough um change of direction ability enough hip fluidity to be a you know a reliable normal (laughs) in inverted commas wide receiver i think okay so that was going to be my next question for you was do the Ravens need to get away from the gadgetry with Duvernay to, to try and mold him into a wide receiver, trying to focus him on what's necessary to change? And and you're telling me traits wise, you don't even really see that. I just don't. I just don't see enough wiggle. And I'm not. I, maybe he'll prove me entirely wrong. But I, he's an excellent straight line linear athlete. And now that we're into what his third his third year in the league. Um, I still still haven't seen him add enough in terms of his, you know, when when you see him run, um, you know, big sweeping big sweeping routes like um, when he's on speed cuts and he's trying to get from from a vertical to a ninety degree position, you still see him just take too long. It just you Rounding can he can round it off. You can see the stages yeah. through which his hips are going as he makes the turn to ninety degrees, and it's just always going to limit him. I think against defensive backs at this level. Yeah, think think about a runner trying to score from second base on a single to the outfield and and what he needs to do at third base to hit third base properly. Just how abrupt that turn is and how much total distance and total speed you can conserve as you make that run. It's absolutely critical. And some fast players are uh, Jorge Mateo of the Orioles who can who can do it and very quickly and and you know still maintain top speed. And others are not, and they are lumbering, and and he, despite fast linear speed, as as uh, you know, James is is alluding to, uh, they can be very slow in the turn. So we see it. Yeah, and and some of his, you know, he's added some subtlety to to his route running. You know, it was it was quite limited coming out of Texas, but there's you know there's been some really good coaching work done with him, especially in the last year with with T Martin and Keith Williams. I've seen, I have seen some improvement in terms of his his ability to separate at the top of the route. I just think it's all, it's just always limited. I think by that, by that athletic limitation, he's, he's very good. I think the Ravens are, are getting the best, like he's in the best position to be successful in the NFL. And um, because of all of the extra things that they get, that the Ravens get Duvernay to do, but I don't think anybody should be under any illusions that this is, you know, Debo Samuel in waiting, you know, there's just mm-hmm. not enough in the, it, there's just not enough receiving skills there. Um, and not enough of that athletic that athletic ability that I think you need to be successful um, to be a to be a to be a uh, you know a starting wide receiver in an NFL offense. I think this is going to be a really good year for him actually, um, but I think it's going to be the ceiling of what he can be in the league, um, which okay. might be unfair, but I, I, that's just how I feel. I think that's I, I you know I think you, you you give your opinion. And it's very well formed and well thought out. So we really appreciate that, James. Let's move on to James Prochet, the the, the last of the of the 
big four, we'll call them <laughs> for lack of a better term, uh, seemed to build a little bit of a connection uh, at times last year with Lamar, which was nice. Uh, you know, part of being a connection is it have to has to be continuous. Did do you feel like he and Lamar are going to be able to get together uh, this year? I do. I, you know, when you see him, when you see uh, Lamar working with receivers. You know, there's always talk about who's there. And I always notice Prochet. Prochet is always there and um, working with him. So I do think they have a they have a um they have a rapport. I also think the other thing about Prochet is he's a he's a QB's best friend in the way he the way he plays. You know, you can see him play smart like a veteran savvy receiver. You if you watch the all twenty two and you watch the 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 sky cam, you can see him, you know, always working back to the to the quarterback in scramble situations. You know, he's really making it easy on Lamar. I was embarrassingly high on James Prochet in the pre-draft process before he came out at SMU, um, to a point where I never really say uh, where I had him ranked. Um, I, I think that the challenge is that I, I missed really in his evaluation, which I think I did before the combine, um, is he is going to he is going to be. I mentioned it before for me and you, and obviously he's a far better athlete than me and you, but mm-hmm. he is going to have to be an athletic outlier if he's going to be successful. That's just. Um, you know, he, he. You know, when you look at his athletic profile, it just doesn't. It does not say um, starting NFL wide receiver. Um, so I, I, I really, I, I couldn't. In terms of someone actually looking in depth and evaluating a player, I, there are there aren't many that could be higher on Prochet than me. And I'm all I'm pumping the brakes on on him as a. You know, I see everywhere that he's. You know, he's the savior. He's going to be the reason that the Ravens wide receiver core is okay. I, I I love him, but I'm not. I think you 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 need to be a bit careful on that front. Sorry, go on, Kim. Well, that, that's that's fair. You know, he, when you say he has to be an athletic outlier, what I think you are saying is he needs to have a play speed faster than his actual speed. Yes. And so we we see at inside linebacker, we see Josh Bynes with a ridiculously high play speed for how, how his athleticism actually is. And we see Queen, frankly, in the opposite direction when he's asked to play Mike is he's, he's he plays slower than what his speed is. Um, Prochet, I think so far from what I've seen at the NFL level has probably played faster than, than what his 40 time would indicate, certainly. But it also speaks to him being a much better candidate to be a slot receiver than outside. Trying to convert him into an X or a Z would be a mistake because there he's, he's going to really have to wiggle. And there's also more correction time for the cornerback on the outside. So I, I think he's, he's better off being the um, uh, whip route guy on the inside and doing what players like Welker and uh, Beasley and players like that who are you know a little bit slower wide receivers who make use of being able to read leverage. And for him, maybe more importantly than anything, it's, it's reading that important cornerback leverage, realizing when you've got him and then taking off in the other direction. Totally agree. I think that's the key for me. I, so I, I'm absolutely with you. Like if we want to, if you want me to wax lyrical about him, I, I completely agree. His, his play speed has definitely lived up to um, what I hoped it would live up to. You know, you can see him, especially in the slot, as you mentioned, you can see him keeping his hip square to the very last moment on in breaking routes, makes the break. The DB can't cover it with in the first first couple of yards the db will catch up to him reasonably quickly because he doesn't have the long speed or the acceleration out of the break to stay to keep that separation so the other thing that's really important for him is the rapport with lamar because it's the timing that is really important um so he's so smooth and i i love it obviously he's like 
for the smallest guy in the room, I think he's probably at the moment the best yak guy because he has the best vision and he's he's so competitive and tough and you know his physical toughness really belies his size. So there's he's got he's he has a chance, he really does, but he's going to have to he's going to have to break the mold to 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 get there. And I I really hope he does because I, I love him as a player. All right. Other backup guys, who do you like among the host of others as the backup? Slade Bolden, maybe? Yeah, Slade Bolden's an interesting guy. Um, I, I think he, he will be interesting. I, the guy I think that's more interesting from a slot perspective, actually, is Devin Williams, um, who I think because the Ravens have so many types of like I, I, Slade Bolden will come in. I'm not necessarily sure that he's a guy who can unseat Prochet, which is the guy he's probably going to have to unseat. Um, Devin Williams gives them something different out of the slot. Um, he's a bigger slot. I think he's a guy who you're not, you know, like an Alan Lazard type. I think that was Matt Waldman's um, comparison for him. I think he, you know, where he can take some advantageous matchups over those over safeties and linebackers with his athleticism, but he's not going to be a tight end. He's he's too he's too thin. He's too light to be to 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 work as a tight end. I think he'd have to put on 20, 30 pounds, which is going to be difficult over the 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 years that he'll have in the league. So I think he's an intriguing guy, intriguing size, good speed. So he would be an interesting addition to the to the slop conversation. All right. So Williams is six five two eleven, and we've seen some big wide receivers, you know, go out of the slot. But that would be unusual. The thing that, you know, I think Ravens fans would look at that and say, how does he give us something different than what we could get from a flexed Mark Andrews or Charlie Kolar? And and it would really, I, I you know, I'm, I'm not saying it's it's a it's a bad idea, and I agree with you. He's not a tight end, and that's not happening. But uh, but could could he provide something that those guys can't? Um, you know, who are outstanding away from the body, hands catchers, big body up players, and and you know, I just don't know enough about Devin Moore, I, I honestly, Devin Moore, uh, uh, Devin Williams uh, now to to understand whether he's going to be a, a good box out player. Uh, but Kolar and and uh, uh, Andrews have not only the pedigree for it, they they have the body size for it, the body type for it. And that's what he really kind of lacks. Yeah, I think that's the, I, 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 yes, I would agree with you. Like, I, I, I think it's a it's a long shot that a lot of these guys are going to make the roster over the over the tight ends. You, you're not you're probably you're almost definitely not going to keep Devin Williams over over likely and Kola. So mm-hmm. at that point, you, you know, likely and Kola aren't going to aren't going to unseat Boyle and Andrews. So then you're looking at the, the, the mass just doesn't work out in terms of the roster construction. So I'd be surprised if he made it. Um, but I think he's an interesting addition to the slot conversation because I think he's different to, um, to what the Ravens currently, what the Ravens currently have there. I, I, I would, one of these wide receivers, if they really have their head together, are going to, are going to work like hell on special teams make the roster as a guy who can play a special teams and show enough as a receiver that they could do that. I, I don't really believe there's room for anyone on the 53 anymore who isn't at least a potential contributor if someone goes down on, uh, you know, on defense or offense. They always go 25 and 25. And, and I just, I do not see room for it, particularly on the defense, but on the offense as well. Yeah, I think the most like I think the most likely we've both both or we've already talked about, which is Polk or uh, Victor. I feel like those are the most likely, just because of the the cover they they give they give the Ravens over Bateman. I think that the thing that I, I would just agree entirely with what you just said, which is that you know they need to someone needs to to really really take it 
by the scruff of the neck on on special teams and show out during the preseason um you know as a receiver you, like you say the ravens aren't going to carry anybody this year they'll i <laughs> they may not be averse to going with four um at, at least in the first instance anyway well let's 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 uh, kind of tie the show up together here like in a bow and and, and really talk about how many wide receivers do you expect the Ravens to keep on the roster? And, uh, you know, you mentioned, I think, almost in jest up front, the, the, the keeping Josh Oliver over one of these wide receivers as a, as a fifth. Uh, is it impossible that Oliver would even be moved to wide receiver and be, a, be an option there? Yeah, it's certainly not impossible. I, th- I think in reality, I think what happens is they probably keep four. And I think, they, I think the, the challenge will be they will look at the mid it's really difficult. They're going to have to assess what they do in the middle of in mid season at the trade deadline and what they could do. What are their options? um, If they get into a, into a situation where they, they want to chase a title. If they do get into that situation, who's, who's going to be available. If they feel like there are, there are going to be plenty of options for them, then maybe they do go in with four and a converted Josh Oliver or, or a fifth that is a, that is a potential contributor down the line as a, from an undrafted free agent perspective. But if they don't and they, and they see a, and they see somebody, they don't see anybody, any options down through in the middle of the season. I think they'll go with five and the fifth will be a veteran that's not currently on the team. Okay. All right. Very possible. Certainly. And, and uh, uh, one of the things I kind of like about the, let's go with four. And let's keep about three to four guys on the roster who we'd be happy with. So maybe they keep, or sorry, on the practice squad. Maybe they keep Polk and Victor and Slade Bolden and one other guy. Take your pick. Maybe it's maybe it's Devon Williams. Maybe they keep those four on the practice squad. And uh, you know, if they have a problem, certainly they're backed up. And even though one of them might be taken, they might be indifferent enough that they say that's good value. And the thing that taking four wide receivers, in fact, having five wide receivers is probably good enough. But if, if they keep only four wide receivers, they can definitely keep a 10th offensive lineman. And right now it looks like their 10th offensive lineman would be of more value to the team than the fifth wide receiver. Yeah, I certainly think that's a possibility, Ken. I, I think especially the way this team plays this this year and some of the question marks over some of those tackles, um, tackles availability. That would be a, a luxury that they would probably like to have. Right. It is unfortunately also a place they can get a few dollars back. Cutting, uh, cutting James will free up some space, and and uh, and cutting um, uh, Ben Powers would also cut uh, save some space. And they do need some of that to 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 get through the year. So uh, it's it's going to be hard to see. Ravens have some very interesting roster decisions coming up, and I kind of hope they free up some additional cap space before then so that they're not forced into some decisions that they can't undo. Uh, Powers is a particular one where, you know, once they've done it, they've done it, and they, they can't get him back. So they better either get good value for him if they trade him, or they better, uh, you know, find a way to uh, find a way to keep him because he's really not that expensive as, as things look for, for a good backup. All right. Uh, outstanding. James, just a pleasure to talk football with you as always. Uh, tell folks where they can find your work and where they can talk football with you online. 
Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at NFL Ogden. Uh, I'm also one of the uh, regular regulars on uh, the UK Ravens podcast, which uh, releases every Thursday, which you can find on on the on the UK Ravens Twitter page. I write regularly for Russell Street Report and for my um, own site, um, RedStarBaltimore.com. Um, look out if you want to go back and read any about the draft prospects. I've got a full draft report, Ravens focused draft draft guide that came out around the draft. Uh, be doing that again next year, so um, definitely look out for that. Outstanding. And we'll uh, we'll have you back, I hope, at least a couple of times during the season to talk offense, talk defense, and uh, really look forward to that. Other folks out there, if you'd like to do a film study short, we got a little bit of time left before camp and, and things become very, very uh, uh, complex. But please hit me up with uh, ideas. DMs are open on Twitter. Love to hear from you. 25-minute topic that's nice and narrow. That's what we're looking for. James, thanks again. Great discussion. Really appreciate having you on. Great. Thanks, Ken. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.